Today on Sagittarian Matters, we have advice, astrology, honesty, red flags, Zoloft, and more with my very special guest, Jessica Lignato. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Jessica Lignato is an internationally respected astrologer and psychic medium who has been in private practice with clients all over the world since 1995. She is a triple Capricorn. She has a wonderful podcast called Ghost of a Podcast, and you can find all of it along with horoscopes and more at lovelignato.com. Jessica Lignato, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, and also thank you to Ponyo, who is sitting on my lap, being extra snuggly. It is a pleasure to be here. Ponyo is wearing her headphones. She's already mic'd up the guest and done the levels. And now she is just uh, making the guest feel at home, at ease in the Sagittarian Matters home studio. That is absolutely correct. And uh, snuggling seems to work really well on me. Yeah, yeah. Putting yeah. You at ease. Highly effective, highly effective podcast promoting. It's wonderful to have you here, and we have a ton of listener questions. I love that. Let's answer some some damn listener questions. I'm gonna say you're a fan favorite. Well, I want to say thanks to the fans. I want to say thanks to you, but more than anything, I'd like to say thanks to Ponyo and God. All right. Yeah. Ponyo just kissed her paw and yeah. raised it to yeah. the sky. I was doing like a like a music award by thanking God. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you feel that? Because yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. usually thank God. I don't yeah, really yeah. think about God a lot. Yeah. But I did think if I was going to accept this award, I yeah. should probably G- go G-O-D style. Yeah, that's nice. You're welcome. Okay. Here's our first question. Hit me. Hi, Sagittarian Matters. Ooh. My question is how to strike the right ground between being honest about your needs and feelings with your friends and not being high maintenance. I've experienced both ends of this, being the friend who's upset about something and also dealing with people who have been upset with me, and I'm never able to be as graceful as I want to be about it. I don't like walking on eggshells with people, and I don't want them to feel that way with me, but with all the emo astrology this year, I feel like toes are easily stepped on and energy to emotionally process together is low. What are your thoughts? Could it also be an age thing? Finding that friendships in the 30s are trickier than my 20s, but that could just be in my head. Signed, a super fan. Ooh, super fan of what, Banya? Sagittarian Matters, super fan. Sagittarian Matters. Okay, that's a great question. Uh, so many so many layers to the question because there's lots of parts to it. Uh, for me, the simplest part is I don't think friendships are more dramatic or complicated in the 30s and 20s inherently. No. They might be for this person at this moment, but I don't think they are inherently to you as well. I don't. I mean, I do think... For me, as I've grown and changed, there's some friendships I've grown out of or that are no longer a good fit. Mm -hmm. And that might feel dramatic if you can't let go or if you're trying to make those people still fit into your life when that's not really your reality. Yeah, a hundred. Yes. But it doesn't doesn't have to be dramatic. Agree. Agree. Agree button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I press the button. Uh, Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I think, um, you know, this thing about being honest So when people say, like, I was honest with so-and-so, the first thing I want to say is, were you really? Were you really? Because there's what you want to say 
And then there's what you want the person to hear. There's often a big difference. And you can be like, listen, you know, you were late to meet me at the cafe. And it really hurt my feelings because when I was growing up, my mom was always late. And so you're like really hurting my feelings in this way because the thing you're doing is low-key disrespectful, but also it triggers like an old pattern. Those are a lot of words. You're asking a person to hold your family trauma because they're fucking late, right? And another, what you actually want the person to hear is, hey, it makes me feel really bad and I need you to stop. Mm-hmm. That's actually what being honest is, is not packing the kind of conversation with all of your backstory and asking the other person to follow these like shoots and ladders that we all have. Um, and I think kind of being simple and direct is um, really cannot be like overrated. It is such a valuable tool to being able to just be honest about where you're coming from and what you need. And then allowing space for people to respond in the way they do. And that brings us to the other part, which is if you are being the high maintenance friend or just the direct and honest friend and your friends act put out or upset by you being forthcoming, then either uh, it's just not a great friendship for you or you can ask them, is there a way that I expressed this that felt like too much, right? Mm. So it's about recognizing that not all friendships work. And not all people are compatible. And also, you might be doing something that is not as effective as you want it to be. And if these are friends that you trust and and you have compatibility with, you can talk to them about that. Like, you don't have to be a self-cleaning oven. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. You liked mm-hmm. that? It was okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, like thank you. Thank you. Well, it's being honest all the way around. Yeah. And if you're being honest, with, like, it's, it's leaving yourself open to the thing you were saying. To mm-hmm. saying, like... Did I say that in a weird way? Am I being clear? Am I being direct? Yep. A hundred percent. And it's like, literally everybody's annoying. Everybody is high maintenance. You are, I am, we all are. And maybe I'm not high maintenance to you, but I'm high maintenance to someone, trust. Like everybody is. And so it's like when we get caught up in this perfectionism of like, how do I be the right person? And how do I like respond to my friends in the right way? And like, I don't want to do this wrong. Then you're almost inhibiting intimacy because you're not letting people into your process. And then when you do show up with honesty, generally it's defensive. And when it's defensive, there's too many words. And asking people to listen to a tiny novella about how you feel about lateness is being maybe too much, unless you have that kind of friendship and you have that kind of compatibility with someone. So so uh, I don't know. Simple and forthcoming wins a race. It's not a race, though. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. It really is... Yeah, I mean, and we've said this on the podcast before, but, you know, when you make a boundary, you don't need to necessarily tell people you're making a boundary. Mm -hmm. And also, you don't need to justify it. And the more you justify a boundary, the weaker it gets. So if your friend is late and then you feel like you need to say all this stuff instead of just saying, don't be late again. Yeah, hurts my feelings. And then it's on you, if your friend is late the next time you hang out, to... Either name it or just not hang out with them anymore. Yeah. Because asking other people to maintain your boundaries and manage your needs when you yourself are not doing those two things, it's not fair. It's not realistic. And it will give you a life of drama, honestly, and hurt feels. So, and, and, you know, don't feel bad because this is human. This is like a very universal question and a very universal problem. I think maybe what's slightly less universal is being self-aware and caring about it. So, you know, stay in your process, be willing to like be bad at it and just keep on trying. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I think so too. 
Um, dear Jessica, dear Jessica and Sagittarius Matters, can a plutonic person moon conjunct Pluto in Scorpio 7H? That means the seventh house. Ah, ever have healthy relationships that don't revolve around control and obsession? And then there's three screaming, crying face emojis. Yes, there is. There is. Signed Plutonic in Pittsburgh. Oh, Pittsburgh. Hi, PA. Uh, sorry, my voice is gone. It would have sounded funnier. Sound sound okay, sound thank you. Thank you so much. So uh, having a Pluto moon conjunction in the seventh house in Scorpio means you're intense. It means your relationships are intense. It means there are going to be themes of power, uh, codependency, uh, merging, passion, all these kinds of things. And also, that's not bad. It's only bad if it's self-destructive or not self-appropriate. It's only bad if you allow those things to happen at the expense of your wellness. And so are you doomed? No, of course you're not doomed. Uh, Are you going to be like the best gap shopper in an eggshell painted room? No, no, that's not you either. Like it's really about accepting your nature so that you can work with your nature. This might sound like it's like a diversion, but like the reason why addicts in AA start off with like, I'm an addict, even if they haven't used in 30 years, because it's an acceptance and embracing of one's nature and going from there, regardless of where you're at in relationship to your nature. And the same thing is true with Pluto. If you're really intense, even if you're in your healthiest bits, you're still going to be freaking intense. And if you can embrace that in yourself, then you can start being creative, constructive um, with that. And that is absolutely possible. You can end up in like enviably healthy relationships, but it requires that you first fortify your relationship with yourself and you second, not expect other people to do it for you. It's about responding with intention to your feelings instead of reacting to your strongest emotions, which is what that aspect wants you to do. This was good. This was a question that I was like, I don't know what this question means. No, you don't. I have no idea what any of this means. This would be a deeper astrological jam. Yeah, yeah, it is. Especially when you said 7H, I was like, oh, yeah, you don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. No, it means seventh house. It's the house of relationships, of intimate partnerships. Mine must be in Capricorn. I feel like everything's in Capricorn. Everything is in Capricorn. Everything is delightful, a.k.a. in Capricorn. (laughs) Dear Nicole and Jessica, Through my process of trauma recovery from relational abuse, I've left several friendships, many because of complicity or complacency in regards to the abuse, and several that I was able to see weren't actually participating in the friendship in a way that felt reciprocal and in alignment otherwise. It was my choice to end these relationships, and it's created space for really wonderful relationships that actually feel good. But sometimes I still get tinges of sad, mad, disappointed feels and something like a desire for resolution or a closure that probably can't happen or isn't time for. Do you have any advice about long-term coping with the grief and disappointment and a deep grief of disappointment in the realm of friendship. P.S. You are both so wonderful and I appreciate you. XO. Thanks. I appreciate you too. Oh, losing friendships is so, friendship breakups are so hard yeah. because there's not, there's not a public acknowledgement of them. Kind of like when people's mm-hmm. pets die and people don't feel like there's public space for that or understanding of the weight of that. The same mm-hmm. with friendships where we all know how to grieve a relationship more or less from watching movies, from online articles from friends having gone through it but friend breakups seem a little more rare or private Mm -hmm. especially if you're not trying to turn other friends again i know it it feels confusing i think it's also kind of uh a reflection of like old school heteronormativity of like 
you know, a woman is owned by their parents and then the woman is like for a dowry kind of sold off to a man or a man's family. And then she has to adopt his family. And women didn't have friends except for as accessories to marriage or, or childhood, really. And it's only in modern society that we have so many friends and that our friends are, are chosen families in this particular way that it is, I think, you know, like this idea of like your, your marriage or your like love relationship is supposed to be the center of your life. I mean, that comes from us not really having a choice, even mm-hmm. if it was for certain individuals a choice. It, you know, it's like culturally not a choice. And I think that there's an interesting thing about how in our in our current world, as friends become a bigger part of everybody's lives and in the culture i think there is more and more like you know tv shows and stuff like that that are really about friendships where everyone doesn't end up partnering off at the end you know there there's still not a lot of that but there's more and so i think there's more of those voices this is a diversion from the question but i do think it's a a relevant thing to say that the same thoughts emotions not all the same, but many of the same thoughts and emotions and issues emerge in all intimacies and not just sexual romantic ones. And that a lot of times um, the kind of expectations that we hold of our friends are not super conscious Mm -hmm. because of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's like new and I think human evolution that we as adults have as many friends and have as, have as much expectations and our friends have to see us through as many like partners and breakups and partners and breakups because that, again, that kind of sexual agency is historically very new. Um, and so all of that said, I think, let me just ground back into this damn question. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like this person has the answer. It's like you, you're not going to – closure. People talk about closure a lot in my counseling work. And I'm often like, we don't get closure from other people. You get closure from yourself. Closure is an inside job. And the desire to go back and get closure from someone or with someone isn't really seeking closure. It's seeking a new a new resolution. That's not the same thing. And I think this questioner really knows that. Um, it sounds like in the question that they, they understand that they just hope it's not true or they wish it wasn't true. But, you know, I am sure you, we all have lost friends and, or had to let go of friends. And it's because when you accept when someone, what someone is showing you of themselves, sometimes it makes you sad. And the way to take care of yourself is to not try to convince them to be different than they are. It's to accept that they've shown you who they are and you don't like it. It doesn't work. And it's good to feel sad about that. And it's good to feel lost, but I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think that like going back to the scene of the crime is generally very useful. No, I see this person's in this person's question too, that it's a little bit wrapped up with the end of a relationship. Mm. And I've been in this person's shoes where I had a really hard relationship and it felt, you know, abusive in this way and that way. And there were people that I flagged around it that I was like, this person was complicit or this person, this and this and this. And even though years and years and years later, I still, even though those people like so much time has gone by that it's like, who cares anymore? You know, I've resolved things with the original person, blah, blah, blah. But those people that were still around supporting the shithead at the time, Mm -hmm. I remember, I'll never forget that they did that. And there may be different places for them in your life that don't, it doesn't have to be black and white. They don't have to be somebody who you keep in close contact anymore. Somebody who's like, who you're trusting or being intimate with in a friendship way, but it also could be that they're 
they're in the acquaintance radius. So as we've talked about on the podcast, Beth Pickens um, circles of friendship where she has tier one, tier two, tier three, and then acquaintance radius. Amazing. Some people deserve to get booted from your life forever. Some people could hang out in the acquaintance radius and see how that feels. I love that answer. Maybe they work their way up to a tier three. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. And I also think, I don't know. And this is like, you know, I'm curious what you think about this, Nicole, because like it's it's complicated. Like your personal love life relationship is really personal to you. And when your friends see or bear witness to things, it's, I think it is complicated. Like, because it is hearsay. It is in, inserting yourself in someone else's relationship and taking sides to be, you know, that complacency. Sometimes it's actually kind of a healthy boundary and sometimes it's a dick move. And it's hard to know the line between kind of like that is gossip i'm friends with both of you i don't know or they're this way as a friend to me and that's totally different than the way they were as a date to you Mm -hmm. and it is it is hard to know i mean of course i have the same experience as you where there's some people who i'm like complacent (laughs) evil (laughs) but like reality is like it is complicated and i don't think there's a single answer and i don't know that you know my dear friends' enemies should be my enemies just because they're my dear friends' enemies. You know what I mean? It's, And if I have an experience with someone where they're being shitty, that's one thing. But if I've heard a story about someone being shitty, it is another. Mm-hmm. And as like community members, what is our relationship? What is our responsibility to each other? How do we... How do we manage that? Because I see online like a lot of pressure. If, like, mm. if I post like so-and-so is mean to me, like there'll be a lot of people who are like, we will shun so-and-so. And it's like, but is that fucked up? Is that like, you know, is that like a social doxing? Doxing is a wrong term for it. But like, yeah. is it like, is it a fucked up thing to do? Or is it solidarity? It's like, it depends on the situation. It depends on so many things. It's not, I don't think it's simple though. No, it's not simple. And it's hard because different people have different triggers. Different yeah. people are sensitive to different things. And so something... You say to me, you say to Ponyo, we're going to take completely different ways. Yeah. And so if I say like, I can't, like, you know, if Ponyo's like, Jessica ignored my needs and wouldn't throw the tennis ball. And I felt, you know, I felt invalidated. I felt insulted, offended. Yeah. And then, you know, my perspective is like, she couldn't throw your tennis ball because we were in the middle of recording a podcast. This is not based on anything real <laughs> whatsoever. Nothing at all. Yeah. Anyway, all that is to say, there, there were just two different sides to the story. So if yeah. everybody was like, boycott Jessica, she won't throw the tennis ball. That'd be really funny slash sad. Then you could throw me under the bus and be like, Nicole told me not to throw the tennis ball. Well, it's true. But this is the thing. This is the thing. It's like, and you know, you mentioned in the question, trauma and trauma recovery and the people that we resonate with and we, and we choose and, we, and the dynamics we consent to when we're still in our trauma trans patterns, AKA off in our twenties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are different people than we might choose in our thirties when we've done work. Right. And there is an element of if I've done the work and I've worked on myself and I've changed and I've tried, and now I can see that so-and-so is not a great person. Does that mean you've done the work that you have the same perspective? Should I demand that of you? Um, can I hold space for difference? Now, of course, if the difference is dangerous or unhealthy for me, I shouldn't have to, but sometimes it's just triggering and triggering is valid and valuable and needs care. But I think sometimes the way we respond to our triggers is that everyone should have the same triggers Mm -hmm. and everyone should take care of me around my triggers, but triggers are different than traumas. 
And I think it's a valuable thing from a psychodynamic perspective and from a spiritual perspective to look at the kind of behavior that is appropriate to have in response to trigger versus trauma. It's something that I, you know, work with a lot as, as an astrologer. And it's something that, you know, I just feel very strongly about. And it's, I don't think there's like a single answer. I don't think there's like a single right or wrong thing, but I, it, it is, it's a, I mean, it's such a great question because it just, it's so complicated. And I think the ultimate answer is like, there is not a really a, a solid answer other than like, don't go back to the scene of the crime expecting it to be less bloody. Today's episode is brought to you by Elise Miller, Robert Daniel, Michelle Lemoyne, Stephanie Mackley, Jill Pruitt, Anthony Pinto, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, Jill Soloway, and Mary Pinson. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, in particular, producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect leg like its appendage at gmail thank you for your support and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast producer ponyo looks forward to it too don't be scared that's just ponyo's speaking voice dear sagittarian matters how do i figure out if i'm seeing a red flag in the relationship or if i'm feeling and projecting the effects of trauma and insecurity from insecure in idaho for me it was it's helpful to have outside help around those things. Yeah. And it's for me, it's helpful to see in a situation, what are situations where I'm the only common denominator? Yeah, that's good. You know? Yeah. Like when you are going on some dates with somebody and you end up feeling just like out of your gourd, like there's something that just trips you out. You're like spinning around the room. You're like, how could they do that? If you can think back to other times when you felt that exact same way, maybe the exact same time marker in a relationship or whatever, then maybe that's you and that can be traced back to your insecurity and trauma. That's great. But also maybe you get to make up your own red flags based Mm -hmm. on your insecurity and trauma. Maybe some kinds of people just don't work for you. Absolutely. For sure. That's true for everyone, right? Yeah. And I think also... The tricky thing about the advice, just to like, it's not that I don't agree with everything you just said. I do. But also it's like, like I think of all the times where it's like somebody's like, this person dogged me. And then all their friends are like, fuck that person. They're terrible. And they're, they're like being quote supportive friends, but that's actually not great feedback. You know, like fuck that person for dogging you instead of being like, well, what do you mean they dogged you? They look at you sideways. They just didn't respond to your text. Like, what are you really saying? Sometimes people in a rush to be supportive don't ask questions and don't engage. And the thing about, okay, so this is my perspective. A trauma is I'm standing on your foot. And maybe you say to me, Jessica, get off my fucking foot. And I say, oh, well, and I stay on your foot. Or maybe I get off your foot and I'm like, fuck you. You deserved it. Trauma. And a trigger is... I looked at you in a particular way that someone once looked at you before they stood on your foot. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different thing. And it makes you feel very much the same. But it's not the same behaviorally. And I think being able to recognize, is this person actively harming me, trying to harm me? What is the intent behind the action? What is the action itself? Um, and to recognize, like, am I actually responding in a way or reacting in a way that is more about my history than about the current scenario. For instance, if I show up late and you have a trigger about my lateness 
And we've hung out 7 million times and have never been late before. Maybe you're being triggered instead of traumatized. If I'm showing up late, like I have 20 times before, and you've told me 15 of those times that it hurts your feelings, that's a trauma. And I think being able to hold space for if you don't tell the other person, this is my boundary, and if you don't maintain and manage your own boundary for yourself, then you're dealing more with a trigger, IMO. And if you're dealing with a trauma, um, it is really important that you validate your own experience and give yourself permission to take a step back to assess the right corrective action. So in both of these scenarios, you really just need space to sit with yourself and you need to be able to validate your own experience, whether it's your past experience or your present experience. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a hard, it's a hard, it doesn't, again, not a universal answer. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Thank you. I agree with you too. Thanks. We're so smart. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I honestly, a lot of us come from trauma. A lot of people in the queer community who I'm mm-hmm. assuming are many of my listeners. And part of our work getting older is just to learn how to take care of yourself around those and not put that on other people. Yeah. You know, like as a teacher, I also experience rooms full of people that all have different things that set them off in different ways and trying to manage that, but also set up an expectation that some students are going to manage that for themselves and be like, I can't be here that day. Or just so you know, this thing we're about to talk about is a little sticky for me. If I get up and leave, it's not personal. Mm -hmm. It's just because I can't do this. That's very powerful. And I think also yeah, it's it's tricky because, you know, as an astrologer, when I meet with people, I can just see their triggers and traumas in their chart and it's just right there. But in regular life, we can't expect people in our communities or in our personal lives to be psychics. No. No. Dear Sagittarius Matters. I like that everyone says dear. Do you require them to? Is that like part of the curriculum? It is. They they need to have, this needs to be a proper, properly formed letter. It can't letter. be two. No, no. Okay. Dear Sagittarius Matters. How do you get over heartbreak when the reason it ended was because he couldn't commit due to trauma from his past relationships? So much trauma. I don't feel like I have enough anger or dislike towards him to help me move on. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I have an answer. From moving in Missouri. Oh, my God. Are you making these up? Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't say that. (laughs) From perplexed in Potomac. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) delightful okay uh so do not move on because you're pissed off at someone else moved on because you love yourself Mm -hmm. i got snaps for that one it was real snaps real-time snaps i can't snap so i can't snap for myself thank you i can't snap for myself isn't that embarrassing it gives us all something else to do okay cool 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 cool. that was my whole answer it makes you more human as a cap report okay good yeah no i can't because you, you can't be good at everything, you know? No, I can't. <laughs> That's the one thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's on a pretty long list, but okay, cool. All right. That, that is pretty good. Move on because you love yourself. Yeah. Love yourself more than you like or love anyone else. Not in a dick way, but in a self-preservation way. Also, boundaries that come out of anger are not boundaries. That's not a boundary. It's not a boundary. That's a, that's a reaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thanks. Um, dear Sagittarian matters. Really? Do you really require them to do this? Is this like you? You like it bounces back automatically if the email says two? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. We're learning. We're growing. Here's my question. Okay. I've been married to my partner for many years. I really like him a lot. I find him extremely attractive, etc. 
Last year, I went on Zoloft because of a terrible time I was having, and I worship at the feet of that drug. (laughs) The lame thing, though, is that it affects my ability to have an orgasm when I'm having sex. I can totally do it when I'm masturbating, but not when I'm with him. I'm sensing it's because the Zoloft and some sort of spiritualish orgasmic thing. My question is, how do you like spiritually or astrologically explore the orgasm? I'm sensing it wants to be found, and it's not just a matter of finding the right sex toy, if you know what I mean. Many thanks and much love from Mostly Enjoying Her Zoloft. P.S. I've had many, many orgasms with this person over the years. I just haven't been able to since ye oldie Zoloft. Ye oldie. Mm. I wouldn't have said it that way, and I like the way you've said it better. Uh... Okay, so astrologically, I would need to see a birth chart, so nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, but I think it is, to me, somewhat uh, red flaggy that you can come on your own, but not with your partner. It does suggest something about either how you feel uh, in, in terms of letting go with someone else or with your partner specifically, like one or the other, right? Because, you know, you press a button... On, on the garage door and the garage door opens, whether someone's standing next to you or not. That was a metaphor. You. Um, you're, in case you miss, missed its subtlety, that was a metaphor. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, am I, am I being too mechanical? Am I, am I thinking about this? Well, I don't know. What do you think is the spiritual or astrological link up between that? So we have like biology over here. We have sex and biology over here. We have the kind of psycho like psychodynamic or like mm-hmm. like letting go mm-hmm. like control letting go of control and then we have like the spiritual realm mm-hmm. i don't see them as at all separated and that's mm-hmm. the problem with that with the question astrology articulates the body the spirit the mind uh, it doesn't create it so it's not separate and then the spirit okay here here's some realness i may have even said this on on sagittarian matters on a different podcast episode but the body exists inside of the spiritual body, the physical body exists inside of the spiritual body, not the other way around. So every issue is a spiritual issue. You like felt it pens instead of ballpoint pens, spiritual fucking issue, real talks. And so your relationship to letting go or to like a certain kind of sexual pleasure um, or maybe, maybe this is, this is actually what's coming up for me right now is some shit went down in your life or, or in your psyche. You got on the Zoloft. The thing was shitty. You got on the Zoloft. Thank you, Zoloft. You're helping me. And you're wanting things to go back to being the same as they were in the parts of your life that were good, like fucking your partner. And that is a totally reasonable uh, ask of your life. However, you are not the same. Your body isn't the same. You're taking a drug to ensure that your body is not the same. You are not the same. You went through trauma and then you came back around and here you are. And so maybe your sex needs to be different. Maybe uh, it's important to give your relationship maybe like a three-month period in which you are not goal-oriented about sex. Everyone takes care of their own orgasms. You hook up, get each other going, and then everyone take care of their own orgasms to keep it equal mm-hmm. and build from there. Build a new sexual dynamic in your kind of new body um, with your new psyche. And maybe just taking the pressure off um, of performance and coming will create more space for there to be, you know, better performance and coming. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, 
Goal-oriented sex is kind of a bummer for me. Yeah. I mean, I know it was probably really fun when you guys could do this before, but you still get to have sex with each other. Yeah, totes. And also, you know, if your partner is in any way attached to being the one to, like, bring you the O, I just feel <laughs> like there's – I mean, I don't know. I was like – I used hand movements yeah. that were really dramatic. You guys couldn't see it. But it was like – it was like – what was this? It was, the, it was like a crown, a woman's crown. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, then, then, then you have a problem that's bigger than Zoloft's. Then you have, like, you know, pressure. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. But it sounds like the pressure is coming from the asker. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's true. We don't know enough. We don't know enough. But know I'm enough. happy you found a tool, a human yeah. tool to help you. Yeah. Fuck yeah. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters... Call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Dear Sagittarian Matters, I have been in a relationship for six years. I love my honey with all my heart, but he has a baby mama who makes everything hell rolling eyes emoji, and turns the daughter on him and things of that nature. Sometimes I want to leave for that reason, but I feel like we're truly in love and I don't want to lose that. What is your advice on this from Confused in Calgary? Ooh. Shout out to Canada. (laughs) Shout out to Canada. Um, Okay. So whenever I get questions like this, and I get questions like this a fair amount in my practice, my first thought is, regardless of... Whatever it is you're going through. My first thought is, if this child has a crazy mom and you think dad is like a well-adjusted, good person, don't you dare take dad from baby. Mm-hmm. Baby needs dad more than you do, honey. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know any of that stuff, but that is how I feel. And that's always my first response. Mm-hmm. Um, as a child of traumatic parents, you know, it's don't like there there is a way because you're an adult and we're talking about the the welfare of a child it's not just about like your feelings or what's easy for you we're talking about the welfare of a child and to me that kind of gets priority and and that's you know not everybody shares my values i'm not trying to like you know make you feel bad about your preferences your feelings but also needs of a child right and the other thing is boundaries 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 like if you if you know if you're going to be partnered with someone their family whether it's a family of origin or their chosen family from before you came around is part of the deal and it's an annoying part of most of relationships deals and this is the annoying part of yours you get to have boundaries you get to say no you get to tell your partner i want to i want to murder her so please don't tell me anything because i hate feeling stabby yeah that's fair you get to do that and if he can't respect that then maybe you have some more information about what's wrong with him that he chose her Nobody knows. We were given those genders, right? I heard that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my hot take on that. It is really about having boundaries to make your dynamic with this man sustainable. And to remember that the needs of a child are present in this situation. And if he is like a, you know, my least favorite thing, like a one time a week, two times a week dad with a really high maintenance mom, all the more reason to challenge him to be a more active parent. And if he's like a 50-50, then, then it's, I like him better. And also there's more to work with, I think, ultimately, even though it might be more contact with the mom. I don't know if that makes sense the way I said it, but. It does. 
So I don't know if you can stick around and if you can make boundaries around the mom and if you can not get involved in that part and not talk shit about the mom and not, you know, which just adds to the like turning someone against someone else, which sorry you didn't ask and I don't have kids. I have a dog. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think that's all I wanted to add on to that. I think, I think that that it's so complicated. And again, I think if I can speak on behalf of both of us, like we're definitely not pressuring you to like stay or like eat shit or anything like that. It's just that you know, this is more complicated because of the child and, and whatever you do requires a lot of mindfulness. If you haven't started with boundaries and stuck with boundaries before you make a call, then you haven't given the situation a fair shake. And if you have, and your partner doesn't, um, manage those boundaries in a respectful way, then the problem, it really isn't her. Then the problem is him. He's Mm -hmm. who you're dating, you know? Um, and then however you get out, get out gracefully and and with consideration of the child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you can. If you can. Yeah. I think we're kind of knocking these out of the park. I feel we? like we're, we're just knocking them out of the park. It's, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't mean to give all the grace and glory to Ponyo, mm-hmm. but it's hard not to. Yeah. I feel like it's all coming from Ponyo's weird eye. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her yeah. oracle eye? Yeah, her oracle eye. Yeah. Dear Sagittarian Matters. Really? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nobody ever says dear when they're writing into my podcast. Let's do this weird one. Okay. Relationship question for Jessica and Nicole. Hello. Hi. Big fans of you both. My question's to you is abstract, but I'm curious what you have to say. My partner and I, together nine years, have a kid, about to buy a house, we're overall really solid, are in a stage of life of doing some sandwich generation stuff, caretaking aging parents Uh and a young child together. So far, we're not doing this in isolation and it's not extreme, but it becomes very existential sometimes, and death is a thing that we operate in clear relationship to. This means things like setting up our wills for ourselves and our parents. I have some pretty concrete opinions formed around these things. I was trying to push a convo about Swedish death cleansing last week. It's a great book. Anyway, I talk about this stuff at work a lot, trauma therapy, but my partner will often get really overwhelmed and need to pull the convo over. Can you recommend good strategies or frames to have these conversations? From sandwiched in sacramento Ooh, sorry <laughs> if my voice is fucked up so i end up sounding really different than i mean I like to. It. but uh that's that was great sorry <laughs> we'll play we'll play um i have a really simple answer okay um say to your partner hey are you comfortable with me talking about this right now and if three days in a row they say no 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 you can say upon the third time uh cool i've asked you thrice you've said no thrice uh, when will we talk about it? Because I actually need to. That's all. That's it. Because different people have different coping mechanisms. And I, like you, Sandwich in Sacramento, like to compulsively talk about things. I like to go deep and explore and return and return and return. That's my processing style. My partner would prefer not to, thank you very much. And me, as a sometimes bully, does not give a fuck. But that is not nice of me. And so I encourage you to employ the strategy that I should employ more frequently, which is like, hey, are you willing to talk about this? And if the answer is no, you got to respect it. And eventually, on the third try, they need to respect that they need to actually be a partner. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it is a very simple strategy that will feel complicated in, in like practice, but it's actually quite simple. Dear Sagittarian Matters, my relationship with my dad has been rocky my whole life. Me and you both, girl. He values being productive, doing things perfectly, and not letting emotions take control of his life. He's a good man, 
but no matter how I try to connect with him, it rarely happens. I feel that he values perfection and productivity more than his relationships with me, mom, and sisters. How do I better connect with him? If Jessica's interested, my dad was born March 29th, 1960 at 1213 a.m. in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Here's the thing. From oversharing in Ohio. Is that really what her Okay. So here's, here's the answer. What? It's in the question. You said, my father is a grown-ass adult, and these are his priorities. And then you said, how can I work around his priorities? Ah, best of luck with that. He's a grown-ass man, and these are his priorities. So what you're really saying is, how can I change him? Because I don't accept what I know. And that will bring you heartache. If you want a relationship with him, it's going to have to be surface. Because you just told me that's the man he is. And I think that this is true across the board in relationships. When a person tells you who they are, believe them. And when you say, I believe you, but also could you just be different? Because I think the way I think you should be is better than the way you think you should be. Um, Even if you're totally right, like in this situation, I would agree with you. What you think is a better thing. I agree is a better thing. It's not what your father thinks. And, you know, you can say to him once, twice, even thrice, hey, I want you to be this way. I want to find a middle ground. And if he consistently tells you, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. It's not my values. Then you really, I would encourage you to like set different goals because in relationship, it's, it's a dance. And if you're just like, we have to do a fast dance. And he's like, I refuse to do a fast dance. Then what do you think is going to happen? You're just going to fight. Mm-hmm. It's con- it's conflict, you know? So that's my hot take. Mm-hmm. Okay. You had no hot take. That was it. You just like my take. Let me see. Let me see. Let me okay. see. I mean, I just, I feel a little next level in the art of letting go on parents Mm -hmm. and just being like, this is who this person is. Here's what they have to offer. Um, I, I did have, this is just kind of, again, uh, just like jumping off of your answer. Like I agree. I'm yes. Anding you. Mm -hmm. My yes. And is, you know, I heard somebody say, Somewhere, you know, there's the classic, don't go to the hardware store for milk. And somebody was like, you never heard that before? But I'm going to start saying it. Don't go to the hardware store for milk, right? And so your dad, the milk, the thing you want from the hardware store, the thing you want from your dad is not the thing that he can give you. It's not the thing he's offering you. The Mm -hmm. kind of acceptance, the kind of love, the kind of like him signing off on your life and being like, you did right. Mm -hmm. I respect your priorities and the way you do things. That's not going to happen. However, the hardware store may not have the exact thing you want, but it has lots of different things. Yeah. The hardware store, I heard somebody say, they're like, it has like a hundred different kinds of nails. Mm-hmm. And that's really great. And I wonder if you can just appreciate. So in your acceptance of who your dad is and who he's told you he is, can you accept the things that he does have to offer that are not necessarily the thing you need or right. that you wish he could give you, but they're just the other things that he has. He has a hundred kinds of nails. He has a bunch of other qualities, a bunch of other things that he can give you, but you're not going to get this one thing, this one form of respect or being seen or whatever. Such um, great advice. Such a great perspective. I agree with you totally. Also, uh, I think that this is something that, you know, as you're saying this, I'm realizing, yes, I've talked to lots of clients about this over the years of like, can you just let people love you the way they love you? It's really hard, you know, but uh, milk, nails, hardware, love. Well, I wonder how do you feel about that if, so say somebody's love language is one thing and the people around them are offering them something else. How do you mean? Like say that my love language is 
acts of service, but everyone around me, this is not true for me. So Mm -hmm. friends listening, don't read into this. Say my love language is acts of service, but everyone around me, their love language, the way they express love is words. Mm -hmm. Then then what's the question? So then how do I take care of myself and get, like if I accept this form of love from them, Mm -hmm. is it possible? I don't know. I guess my question is, is it possible to... Fill your coffer in a different way than is your love language, or do you just need to go keep searching for that? I think it's both. Mm-hmm. I do think it's both because I think if you're surrounding yourself with people who do not express care and love in a way that feels like care and love, that's your shit. It's not something wrong with them. It's something. It's something that you're in struggle with about yourself. Mm-hmm. And if it's some people, that's a different story. If it's all the people, for sure. I would say that. And I think also, um, I think also, sorry, it's Ponyo is just being so adorable. It's almost super distracting. But I, um, I also think that um, there's a way that, especially when you have trauma history, we can get really locked into like, I, you know, I'm comfortable in these jeans. These are the jeans I'm comfortable in. I don't wear anything else. It's just these jeans. I listen to this kind of music. This is the only kind of music that I identify with. Like we get locked into things. And I think... It's valuable to explore and experiment with being loved in different ways, expressing love in different ways, um, tolerating difference for a period of time with intention to figure out, am I like actually learning and growing in this or is it harming me? There's something wrong with experimenting. You just need to know when to like, you know. Know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.